What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Keeping It Raw. I am Raw, and today I wanted to give a shout out real quick to my nephew Tino, who is out in Cali listening to the podcast. What's up, Tino? And now that I've embarrassed you, I do need to go ahead and finish up the embarrassing stuff on a couple siblings. So let's go ahead and start. I need to finish with Brian first. Brian was also, as a kid, known as the broadcaster. This kid knew everybody's business and told everybody's business. He was the family parrot. He told it all. Now, I would trust him with a secret, for sure. Like, he's totally different uh, as we all grow up, right? And so, yeah, he's he's awesome now. He's a good friend, and he's a good brother to have. Uh, Aaron. Aaron. Uh, when I first met him, had two casts. Yeah, on both legs he had a cast, and he had all kind of surgery. It was ridiculous the amount of attention this kid craved at such an early age. Now, this kid, he he talks to you, and he tells you stories as if he's lived his life ten times already. Like, he's got the stories for ten different people right now going on. And he's never running out of stories to tell. He's never... It's it's never ending with this kid. Uh, he just recently got married a couple months ago. What's up, Aaron? <clears throat> um, then uh, Ru- I want to talk about Rudy. So Rudy is our brother too. Now Rudy, he um, he also uh, went by Drew, uh, but he was a brother that none of us had a relationship with. He passed away a couple years ago and uh, without us having any kind of relationship with him, which is, it was pretty sad. But without going into all the details, I did want to share, you know, he, my dad and another woman had uh, Rudy, right? And he was taken away from them and he was adopted by his aunt. And, um, I guess he, he didn't know anything about our side of the family. So the time came, I guess he was 16, maybe 17 years old. Now I would always go on Facebook to try to find him. And I had no idea what name he was going by. I knew what name he had. Um, but you know, like 15 years ago, the, his adopted parent met or found my mom Gave him a picture, and it was kind of freaky because that picture we have of him looked exactly like what I looked like at that same age, right? So I instantly felt like some kind of bond there, right? Well, he, um, after that, we didn't have any com- communication. So a couple years ago, um, his mother reached out to my dad on Facebook and was just saying, you know, um, Rudy's doing good. Uh, he does have behavioral issues, uh, but overall he's doing good. He knows that he uh, was adopted, you know, by us, and he's really upset. He doesn't he doesn't want to talk to anybody or meet anybody, you know. Um, and I got that right. <clears throat> you understand that because you never know what somebody's going to face or what somebody's going through when they get told, Hey, you're, by the way, you're adopted. I mean, you could love them, you know, all the, all the, you could love them to death. But when you tell them, Hey, you're not 
technically part there's a million things i'm sure that goes through people's minds and that's okay people are allowed to deal with their junk however they want to but he he was angry at first you know and i don't know if that ever changed um but i know that i would ask questions whenever i would go out to california and i would try to find him on facebook all the time and i would i i have messages still while i was reaching out to people with the same name to try to see if that was them, you know, it's, I know it sounds weird and it probably sounds sad, but it's not sad. It was me just trying to reach out to a brother because I felt like, Hey, if this kid knew how much like we love each other and how much we want to have a relationship with him, that could be all the difference in the world, but it didn't go down that way. And, uh, uh, about four or five months later, he passed away. Uh, what happened was he was in a car, um, and his friend was drinking and they think that racing may have been uh, involved or played a part or something. The guy that was driving his car crashed into a tree and, uh, and Rudy passed away pretty quickly. I guess Drew is his name that he went by, but he passed away pretty quickly. <clears throat> so and it was devastating because he was about to turn 18 and I knew that when he turned 18, you know, nobody was going to be able to stop us from being able to reach out to him. And I'm not saying anybody was trying to stop us, but I knew that at that time, the last we had heard Rudy wasn't ready to meet anybody. Okay. And, um, don't be down Howard. I'm not trying to take this podcast down, but I'm just saying <laughs> like, this is, it's real stuff. It's real life. And it was, uh, it was devastating to all of us. And especially my dad who I felt like I really shouldn't be talking about this, <clears throat> who I felt like, couldn't make up for was never able to make up for what had happened and why he lost the chance to have a relationship with his son. Devastating because my dad completely turned his life around like that dad then and the dad now. Oh my goodness. Day and night. And I'm not talking about just because he grew up. I'm talking about because he complete, everything is different. The man is a man. The man has changed. And I just, um, I'm happy for who he has become. And I told him that, you know, when all that happened, because he was devastated, of course, um, that, you know, you've more than been making up for it with my other brothers. And I held resentment. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to be talking about this right now. Because I held resentment, you know, towards my dad because of that relationship, because I wasn't able to have a relationship with the sibling. All the other siblings were all, you know, close. But that sibling we weren't able to reach out to. And so that's what... It's kind of tough, but the point of me telling you that is that it kind of leads into my other, um, well, I guess I should first say my memories of Rudy. I only met Rudy one time, and that was when he was a baby, and I, I have pictures when we met, and he was an infant. And him and my brother, and him and Saul, my other brother, we have a couple pictures together, and oh my goodness, totally goofy pictures, but it was cool. It was dope, and... Yeah, we had a good relation. I mean, it was a good moment. And uh, and I do remember him as a baby as if it was yesterday. So um, that was devastating, losing him. Devastating. Horrible. It was a rough. That day I tried to go to work that day. Oh, my goodness. I pulled over and and broke down the day I, that day I found out he passed away. That was tough. And Marisa's the one that told me she, she called me and said, 
your brother passed away. She didn't say which one because, I mean, goodness, I got so many of them. <laughs> but that was, I remember that day too. Like it was, and I tried to go to work and I, I pulled over and was and sat under the bridge for like 45 minutes. And it was a rough day. But that leads me into my story with Ben. Okay, so Ben, a couple years ago, um, Ben is our youngest brother. A couple years ago, (laughs) well, when he was born, they moved to Georgia, and I was devastated again because I felt like this is exactly what happened with Rudy. I I held him as a baby, and now he's gone. Like, I'm not going to have a relationship, right? So uh, a couple years ago, I called Ben up for his birthday, and I was like, you know, I'm so glad I get to have a relationship with you. I'm so glad we get to talk and stuff because I didn't have that with, you know, Rudy Drew. I didn't have that with him. And so I like was laying out my heart to Ben, who was probably like nine at the time and, uh, and like not ready for this conversation. And then at the end I was like, Oh, and I'm sorry because I know that this is not what you expected to hear or whatever. And, uh, but yeah, my brother Ben. So he's <clears throat> always been big in Bible quizzing, and so year after year, I would always ask him, "Hey, are you going to nationals?" Like, because obviously, if you're top tier, you get to compete in nationals for Bible quizzing. And it was funny because year after year, he would say, "Oh, I don't know, we'll see." But then he would always go. So it was like it became a joke year after year, like me asking that and him acting all nonchalant about it, like, "Oh, I was so humble," but he would always end up going. So that was pretty cool. So that's my story of Ben, um, me embarrassing him, basically, not him. He has yet to embarrass me, so. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so those are my siblings, and I think I got through all of them. If not, then you could text me later. But I did want to talk about <clears throat> some. Uh, I wanted to talk about my the worst date I've ever been on because everybody has been on a bad date. And if you haven't been on a bad date, you're gonna, and if you're not gonna, then you already have, and you just don't know it. So he, my bad date story is like as of such that, that was a horrible way of putting it, but I, at the time, didn't feel like it was a bad date. I felt like it was cringy, but cringy isn't always bad. Cringy can just be memorable. And so my, in my opinion, this date that I'm about to tell you about was a memorable date. This date, <laughs> this date was, uh, it was about six months ago, I guess. <clears throat> and I will not mention her name. I am not currently, I'm not in a relationship with her. But, uh, and it didn't, beyond that date, it never went to another date. Uh, through no fault of hers, I would say. Okay, so here's the deal. I I hadn't been on a date in years, years, Okay. I go out on this, I, you know, I like this girl for a long time though. So I was like, Hey, would you, you know, like to go out? I was just, I, okay. I'm not a confident person, but lately in the last six months, I've like completely, that has completely changed. I'm not saying I'm confident. I'm just saying I'm not so timid about it. So I said, uh, I said, Hey, you know, on Facebook, you know, give me your phone number. I already had the phone number. I didn't realize that. When she gave me the phone number, I started putting in my phone, and it came up her name, and I was like, oh, okay. So anyway, we go out, and it's this um, – of course, I got to plan it, and I haven't been on a date in years. 
So I have no idea like everything. So I'm like, quick, let me get on YouTube real quick and find out what people do on first days. For real, this was going on. So I plan for the date and I'm looking up a million different things. And I looked up uh, this art museum. I'm like, I'm not an art museum kind of guy, but I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know. And then we'll go out and have, uh, go out to a restaurant, like a, a, not a fancy restaurant. Let's just go out where, to a place where we can talk. So I, uh, I pick her up and we go to this museum and I knew that they would give tours at this museum and that's what we signed up for. So went to this place, do a tour, uh, went to this place, I'm sorry, get, walk in and, uh, and I briefly explain what I'm doing because I realize that not everybody likes secrets, but some people like enough secrets. So, like, I knew that I knew to tell her, hey, this is what I'm wearing, you know, so that she kind of can gauge what to wear, that kind of thing. I knew that that was appropriate. So I we walked in this art museum place or whatever, and they're like, OK, we're, if you're here for the tour, you know, stand over here. So we get in that section. And this building is a cramped building, and it's a three-story building, and it's a it has a million things everywhere, okay? So I'm like, okay, but you can see art pieces, so it's not so surprising. They start the tour by saying, this is a live-in art museum, okay? And we, uh, all the pieces you he- you see here, were brought here by this lady and husband who held a thrift store for the less fortunate. And they were hoarders, what we would call them today are hoarders, but they organized all these pieces that you see in the exact order that they're in now. And um, and what we do now is we allow people to come from abroad, live here for a six-month period, and out of the pieces that are here – they make art, okay? So out of all of the collectible items, all the hoarding that was done, they use those same items that were originally put there by the original couple, and they make art pieces. So it's a cool concept. It really is. The problem that the problem is that, in my opinion, these were totally nutcases. There was this room with ribbon, okay? I mean, like... 10 foot 50 foot length ribbon piled about three feet high in one room okay so one of these six month abroad uh art students say my project is going to be to spool all this ribbon one by one and put it in a case to be displayed after six months she didn't get through a quarter of this pile. And so she says after, you know, at the end of their stay, they have to give her an interview about their art. And she said, and, you know, of course, the question was, well, you didn't get through all the pieces of ribbon. So why do you, why didn't you? She said, well, I feel like it's um, it's a white uh, privilege as to why I didn't get through all the pieces. And they said, explain why you think it's white privilege. Well, because as a white person, I think I can do anything I want. 
And this proves to me that even though I had high hopes, that I can't, in fact, do anything that I want. For instance, I wasn't able to complete every spool for every piece of ribbon. And, like, I'm over there like, what? <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, somebody actually said that as, like, a legitimate, okay? That's not the only wacky thing. Uh, there was a room where a guy, uh, it's a room full of mirrors, and a guy uh, took this glass cabinet and leaned, it's probably 10 feet high, and leaned it, and he held it up for 13 hours and quoted and read some kind of, I don't know, whatever he was reading. For 13 hours, he was just holding, had this cabinet leaning on him, and he had an arm propped up holding it up for 13 hours. And I'm like, what? There was one room where somebody took a piece of their hair and would paste it to the wall. And they called this, what do they call the room? Like Satan's room or demonic room or something. Get dead room or something. Just so she can have her DNA woven into the fabric of this art museum. Wacky. It was <laughs> like, so every room was crazy like this. Some of it was creepy. Like, I mean, those were creepy, but some of it was just so dark. They had a room where all they played was uh, racist stuff. Yeah. Um, and, okay, so here's the thing. Everything is art. I get it. Okay. So if you're an art person right now, you're probably thinking, well, it is art, so they do have every right to do that. I get that. Everything is – if I nail a blank piece of paper to a wall right now, if I take a nail and hammer it, a blank piece of paper to a wall, that's art. I get it, okay? Because it's whatever I perceive. It's whatever my expression is. I get that. I'm just saying you got to also acknowledge that it's weird. <laughs> I mean it's not normal. It's weird. It's – I apologize if you can tell that I have a cold right now. I'm sorry. But – you got to at least acknowledge that it is weird to do to take a piece of your hair and <laughs> paste it to a wall. Yeah. There was a ton of stuff like this. There was this one teepee that they made out of was it books? I don't even know. Teep they made a teepee and they had a spray so it would be like a eucalyptic or lavender lavender spray. So you would spray the the teepee as you would enter in, just so you can admire like the original scent of whatever. Blah blah blah. Oh, they the best thing was the uh, confessatorium. So you know how they have like confession booths in like Catholic cathedrals. Okay, so they had this booth that you can go into. And, oh my gosh, they had this booth you can go into and like write in these notepads a confession, okay? And other people, obviously not knowing who wrote what, can go through the books and then share their own confession. Just a deep, dark secret, whatever. Well, people, you know, some people have gotten thrills out of that because they're able to realize, hey, I'm not the only person going through certain things, whatever. So this guy's explaining this to us. 
and uh, he <laughs> he um, he's showing us the the note like one notebook. He pulls out one notebook, and he's like, "See, yeah, this is full of." And so he flings it open and stops at a certain page, but doesn't. It's in the middle of his spiel that he's explaining. So he stops at a certain page long enough for me to see what was on there, just to. And I read what was on there, and it was like. And so he, um, so he's telling it. He looks down, he closes it, and puts it back. And then he makes a remark saying, "And I apologize. I don't know what was on that page that I just stopped it on," which he did know because he wouldn't have said that. Because he opened it, was talking, looked down, closed it real quick, and put it back. And I knew I saw it, and I knew another person at least saw it because he closed that book real quick and apologized, like whatever you guys saw. I'm sorry about. I didn't know what was on there, or whatever. And his name was Gee, by the way. Um, I hope Gee's not listening. I'm just saying, you know what you saw. You know what was on that book that you just flashed. And uh, it was. I can't repeat it. Maybe if you ask me privately, I'll repeat it, but I can't repeat. I'm not going to repeat it. It was bad. So it was a lot of stuff like this, okay? At the end, we go to this little um, dine-in or whatever. Not dine I don't know what you would call it. It was just like a burger spot. And and then we don't go on another date, essentially. I mean, it was fine. We talked the whole time. There was this was so awkward because we're going through a tour, so we can't really tell each other like what. So when we were done, I was like, was that as weird as I thought it was, or was it just me? And she was like the same way. Like that was so weird. I was hoping you didn't like this. And I was like, no, this is like creepy. I mean, so we didn't, it wasn't good enough, I guess maybe to go out and whatever the chemistry, whatever, it doesn't matter. But the, the point is that this was, in my opinion, the worst date because the whole time we were cringing, but we weren't able to communicate with each other that I don't, I'm not validating any of this, what we're hearing or what we're, what we're witnessing on this tour. So that was a tough part of it because we're just a crowd. So you can't really express like, it was weird. It was so weird. So in my opinion, that was the worst date. Now I've never been on a date, you know, obviously where somebody was burping or, you know, Somebody was just rude or not getting my jokes or, you know, that kind of thing. I've never been on a date like that. Luckily, I've, I I guess I haven't had that, but it can happen. And I'm sure there's actually worse first dates out there. But yeah, I guess I'm, my selection is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty okay when it comes to dates, but not that I'm, I shouldn't, I'm, I'm talking about like I've been on a million dates. Okay. But it's not what it is. So yeah, that was my first, my worst date, not my first date, my worst date. Now the first person I ever dated though. Um, and I use that term loosely because we didn't date was when I was like in third grade, I knew this girl named Marcy and Marcy at that time. I remember Marcy was a beauty and I was like, Hey, um, yeah, one day I was just I just got up the nerve and I was like, "Hey Marcy, do you want to go out?" And she was like, "Yes." And I I after she said yes, I immediately realized that I said go out and I was like, "Okay, well, I'll see if we can go out somewhere together." As in like go to a movie or something. But I wasn't thinking 
like, uh, I didn't know what I meant. I just realized, did I just ask somebody out? But I don't even know what that means. Are we supposed to go out places now? You know, literally the word go out, you know, and not just, hey, do you want to be exclusive? Like, I guess how weird is that? That as a kid, I was thinking about that. Like, hey, do you want to be my girlfriend? Right? It's not too uncommon, but I just remember being stoked that Marcy wanted to go out with me. So we really never talked after that, by the way. I mean, we talked, we did talk once uh, when my friend Martin was there, but uh, like a week or two later, um, Marcy was at my house at the door at the, and I was walking to the house and I saw Marcy outside with her parents and I said, Hey Marcy, what's up? And she says, we're moving away. And I was like, what? You're my girlfriend. How are you moving away? So she's like, yeah, we're moving away. And, um, your grandma's giving us corn. Well, my, um, my grandma's husband grew like a crop in the backyard with stuff. One of the things was corn. So, and this is like a residential area. This isn't like farmland, but she said, yeah, he's giving us some corn. And I was like, wait, you're moving. Yeah. Marcy, Marcy, the first girl that broke my heart. (laughs) So, so I was like, I was like, how are you? Why are you at my house? And she said um, that they lived on the other side of my backyard. And I was like, wait, you lived there the whole time? You lived on the, you know how like our backyard and then their backyard and their opposite? Like, I was like, what? You lived there the whole time, Marcy? Anyway, so that was the tale of Marcy. (laughs) Then, um, my, uh, and then there was this girl named Sarah and I don't remember her last name, but I really liked her, but she dated my friend Paul. So, uh, this was, this must've been fourth or fifth grade. No, this was fourth grade. Yeah. So she dated my friend Paul. She dated really. Okay. So her and Paul were like, yeah, we'll go out or whatever. So I was like, what's, I was like, Paul, you're my friend. That's my girl. Anyway, she was cute. She was a cute little girl. So I was like upset about it or whatever. And so I date a girl named Krista because she was Sarah's friend. And I dated Krista so that I could get to Sarah. But how backwards was that? Cause it didn't work. Krista really liked me. And so I couldn't drop Krista except when I found out I was moving to North Carolina. Oh, man, my mom liked Krista, too. That was difficult. (laughs) So, yeah, so, like, when I moved, my mom ran into Krista, and they would talk about me, you know. I was, what, in sixth grade by then. And, and yeah, Krista was, like, asking about me and stuff. But I broke up with Krista right before I moved, and it it was messed up the way I did it. Yeah, I was a jerk. So hopefully Chris is doing good right now. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then years later, my sister Sarah worked at a church doing some kind of community thing and f- made contact with the Sarah that I liked, and they were talking about me, and Sarah did like me, not my sister. She loved me, but this other girl, Sarah, that I liked 
liked me. And I was like, what? Why did she tell me? That could have been my whole, my life would be totally different now. <laughs> but anyway, it didn't work out and for the best, I guess. But uh, yeah, so those were my girlfriends in California. And uh, and uh, yeah, no regrets. <laughs> so we all have those long lost childhood romances, that puppy love. But anyway, those are my stories, my siblings, my worst first date, my ex-girlfriends. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for keeping it raw. That's it for today. And uh, thanks for keeping it under 30. Bye.